0: Sit back in your seats. Get something to eat. The watch this movie. Don't let the kids see it. Well, then we'll let you hear the um, Thank you. Hello and welcome to Left of the Projector. I am your host Evan. Back again with another film discussion from the left. I'm happy to announce that you can now sign up and be a paid subscriber to the show directly from Spotify so you can just pop on there and support the show. Also, if you would be so kind as to smash that ratings button on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you're listening to this show right now. As always, you can follow the show on TikTok and Instagram at left of the projector pod. Enjoy the show. Hello, and happy Halloween. I bring you today a bonus episode on what else but the movie Halloween. On Halloween. This has always been one of my favorite horror movies, albeit it's not a very scary film. But I want to talk about some things that I think are relevant to this movie and have come up as I've been re-watching it and just looking into the horror genre in general. But I want to start off with a quote. First time for everything, huh? Quote, A mechanical monster whose body fills whole factories and whose demon power at first veiled under the slow and measured motions of his giant limbs at length breaks out into the fast and furious whirl of his countless working organs. Who said that, you ask? None other than Karl Marx, Capital, Volume One. You may be asking yourself, when did this show turn into something related to Marxism? Or, if you know that it already has been all along, you'd wonder, what does this quote have to do with the movie Halloween? Well, the true horror, that Marx refers to here is capitalism. He uses this imagery because it was much in vogue and would appeal to those reading and hearing about his works at the time of his writing. While Marx may have been referring to vampires and werewolves and the like, there is this idea of all of this encompassing monster, this furious whirl of countless organs that fills everything we see The movie Halloween is a departure from these ideas, but does frame our discussion on one of the most beloved horror films of all time. Is it the best one? It's up for debate. But John Carpenter made a film that has critiques that are possibly far further than he ever could have imagined when he made that movie. Halloween came after the Great Black Christmas. You can go back and check out a bonus episode on that as well. And this took it to the next level. What makes Halloween so scary is not the kill scenes. It's not the jump scares, but it's the fact that this is any town USA, the suburbs, the place that is supposed to be safe. The place we tell everyone is where you can retire or you can move there with your family and nothing will ever happen in your sleepy little town. Today, we look at mass shootings that are orchestrated in these same towns but in a different way than Halloween. In the movie and in many horror movies and slasher films, they are perpetrated by a lone wolf psychopath. Now, mass shootings are committed by radicalized white supremacists. There's much to critique of the former lone wolf killer, but I think we can come to the allegory I'm assigning it I don't think it's that far of a stretch to look at those past lone wolf psychopaths, and now a different type, the incel white supremacist mass shooters. Now, that might have been a little heavy, but I think it's a good frame of reference to look at Halloween. You know, it's this perfect town where all the characters are just kind of out having fun. They don't have to worry about anything really it's just what are they going to wear what boy are they going to you know go out with they have simple simple things to worry about but the reality is all of these towns have something potentially lurking online or you know at the time of this before online there was just people reading and learning and coming to realizations on their own that is really horrific. Now getting into this movie, I do want to obviously talk about Halloween, but this movie really has a lot of kind of components to it. It's probably one of the most horrifying opening scenes to a horror movie that I can think of. You have that point of view, that killer point of view that John Carpenter uses masterfully in this movie and some of his other films as well. Um, so, you know, he opens it with this scene and at first you kind of, you you may not realize if you've never seen it before, what's about to happen. And he lurks into his, his sister's room and he just, he bludgeons her to death. And you know, it's just a, it's a gruesome scene, probably the most gruesome scene in the whole movie. And, you know, he's sent off, he won't speak, he won't talk to anyone, he's put in a mental institution, and kind of just locked away. You know, that's how they would treat someone who has mental, um, these mental assistants has issues. They just lock him away. That was always kind of a trope. Really until now, you know, the last 15 or 20 years, you would get locked up, you'd uh, get the straitjacket, and that was it you're done but that's what happens in this movie Um, he's sent away and that's you know where, where, where we start in this movie and it then brings us into the local town with just regular kids and so the thing about this movie that I think is so good and so interesting it kind of stands the test of time. Maybe not as the scariest movie, but it is truly one of those movies that set in motion multiple franchises. I mean, just look at the Friday the 13th and the Nightmare on Elm Street. Those, those, those franchises don't exist without this movie. And then you have the Scream franchise much later wouldn't exist. And the problem sometimes with these original movies is that they spawn complete shit. So. You know, a lot of the Halloween sequels aren't great, you know, (laughs) that's just how it is. But it brought about, you know, copycats, people wanting to somehow elicit the same feeling, the same magic that John Carpenter brought to his movie. And what makes his movies so great outside of something inventive is obviously the music. I mean, right now, I promise you, at some point during this episode, you're thinking and you're humming the Halloween theme song in your head. i play it for you, but, you know, I don't think John Carpenter would like that. But getting into this movie a little bit further, it's very much a typical horror movie in that you have that initial early event to signify the killer, what created him, sort of the origin story of him in some sense. And then you get into the joking and you have the sort of comedic aspect of any good horror movie uh, in my opinion you have to have characters that are relatable funny interesting and then it, this movie is a bit slow i've heard I heard people call this movie a little bit boring um perhaps perhaps it is but it's still great and so you have the you know the babysitter and the, the kids all uh, in different homes around the neighborhood in their small town Michael Myers, I can't believe I'm only mentioning his name now, but Michael Myers escapes from his long mental institution prison that he's in, and his doctor knows where he's going to go, and the police is involved in this as well. We're not going to go in this movie really scene by scene. I just want to kind of talk about it a bit more. But he gets into the town. And he goes back to his original home Which is sort of the The, the house that you know the kids Egg each other on to go into And the, the, the protagonist Of this movie of course Is Jamie Lee Curtis And You know you don't have this movie without her She's a great actor And you know she did well in this movie there are other you know other key actors in this movie that are sort of maybe forgotten but Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie is unafraid she is perhaps a little bit different than some of her friends in that she doesn't maybe fall down the tropes that you see in this movie but one thing this movie doesn't have that you that you got a lot later especially i think in the 80s and 90s is you don't have that uh, black character who is used as sort of a scapegoat victims in this this film uh, are primarily white actors. And so, you know, you you, you didn't quite get to that point, as you see in later horror films, of using that black actor or non-white actor as the early kill. Um, You know, if you see the screen, they talk about sort of the rules of horror movies and that being one of them. And the other that happens in this movie is that I think this is where this trope kind of was created, uh, was the idea that the the, the virgin, the, the woman who, the character who um, abstains will will survive. And in this case, Lori is that is that person, that protagonist, that actor in here um, that goes through and makes it out alive. And I think this movie, maybe Black Christmas um, before it, you know, created that mythos of the final girl. The one person that the killer could not kill that gets away. And... <laughs> You know how many movies they made for Halloween. Obviously, she's constantly the final, the final girl in all those movies. I mean, they've made I think, like sixteen movies, um, and I'm not going to touch the newest one because because I'm not going to not going to go there. We're going to stick to the OG here, the original original Halloween. But some other aspects of this movie that I think are interesting um, to talk about, as we kind of alluded to in sort of my little spiel there at the beginning about the mass shooters and this lone wolf is that throughout this movie, you really don't see any motive for Michael Myers. He has no motive. He, you know, the, the, the tagline for the movie was the night he came home. So Michael Myers finally returns back to his hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois, and he's going to go back on a murderous rampage as he had done back in 1963, 15 years, so this takes place in 1978. And so that motivation to kill without any actual reason to do so makes him this sort of lone wolf psychopath, which is a constant trope in horror movies, you know, the the person um, who kind of doesn't really have this motive. Um, but you do see in, in some later movies In the early 80s and and more modern um, kind of in the new golden age of horror films in the last 10 or so years is a a departure from this is not just having a person with no motive but having nuance and having character development and having all of those things that make a good movie uh, make a good horror movie so I think there is some character development in this movie Halloween that makes the characters interesting. I mean, it's not a deep dive into the psyche uh, of each of these characters, um, but there are a number of instances in this movie, too, where there's multiple female characters. I mentioned this in my episode on Black Christmas, uh, but the Bechdel test of female characters talking to each other, but not necessarily about a man. Uh, there are several instances in this movie where that happens. And, you know, John Carpenter really is a masterful director, and I think. What makes this movie so great, aside from the very nice slow burn of, you know, uh, there's lots of good, you know, uh, jump scares in this movie. Uh, the the murders aren't particularly grisly, but I think that's actually what makes it more interesting. Um, you have this Michael Myers who's not a superhero or a supervillain or a have superpowers until sort of later in the franchise when he's sort of uh, can't be killed really. You know, it doesn't matter what you do to him, he survives. But in this movie, he doesn't really have that aspect to him yet of superhuman uh, strength and so he really is able to do what he wants in this movie but within the constraints of sort of reality Um, which is not the case with say the Jason franchise and definitely not the case with Nightmare on Elm Street as he's killing people literally in their dreams Um, but I think that this movie really does um developed developed nicely the movie really has a you know like i said a kind of a slow burn throughout it um and i think the other aspect to this movie as i try to kind of slide in some additional uh, leftist themes is you know you do have some kids that you know this is a small town but all the all the characters are somewhat wealthy you know they're not necessarily rich per se they have nice homes they have nice cars uh, they're privileged and so it really is you know the idea of this white suburb so I you know, I alluded to the suburb being this place of safety and in some sense the idea of safety also meant that it was to the people perhaps who live there uh, or if not consciously unconsciously is a place of of whiteness you know there, is, there aren't many I don't believe there's a single character in this movie that isn't white now. You could maybe put that on John Carpenter for for making it this way. You could also say that at this time that was kind of a pulse into the suburb at this time, um, as you often had. You still had um, people living in the larger uh, suburban areas or the urban areas, and then you had these white, predominantly white suburbs. And so there's that aspect to this movie. Um... But to go back a little bit to um, the idea of the horror tropes and kind of how um, Marx used science fiction and the horrors um, of our current system and the how they compare to the tropes of, of movies, of horror movies. So he was alluding to, like I think I said in that initial part of about vampires and werewolves and these are things that he actually was bringing up in his uh in in capital in the 1800s so you can see how he used those things to dissect current conditions through dialectical materialism of the tangible and using allegories to film well not film to stories and to things like that so I think that it's it's important to kind of keep that in mind obviously i don't think that john carpenter in this movie really had much inkling to bring about things related to capitalism or to any of those features it doesn't feel like as heavy-handed as some of his later movies even the thing uh, a little bit later and then the escape from l.a escape from new york all those movies have a more on the nose, if you will. Uh, And also, of course... um, uh, So, this movie doesn't really bring in those kind of struggles, but I think it would be safe and fair to say that the movie still has that idea of the suburbs, as I'm now (laughs) harping on quite heavily. Um, But I think that it's the frame for the movie and the frame that brings this movie to where it was Uh, the the people in the town of Haddonfield are so horrified, obviously they're horrified because of these gruesome murders but they're so horrified by all of this because it's not supposed to happen that way it's not supposed to be unsafe you're supposed to be able to leave your door unlocked, you're supposed to be able to Go trick-or-treating on Halloween without the fear of being gruesomely murdered. So that frame in this movie uh, kind of makes that apparent throughout. So um, so in this movie, too, you do have primarily children uh, characters. Um, you know, there aren't children, I should say, teenagers, but there are a couple of young kids as well. You know, the, 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 the police and the, and the doctors in this movie feel like they know the psyche behind Michael Myers and they feel like they can help him. But at the end of the day in this movie, they cannot provide any assistance to him because he is, for the most part, unstoppable. And if you look at back at the allegory, um, as, as Karl Marx uh, so eloquently put it in Capital, that the monster is that of capitalism you know you could say frankenstein's monster is this kind of unstoppable force it was created and it's been let loose on the world it's caused horror and destruction and death and poverty and all of these things and so in this case michael myers has been set free into the world of this universe of Halloween. And they can shoot at him, and they can fight him, and the doctor can feel like he can understand him, but there's nothing they can do to stop him. That system is already running. It's going full steam, and it can't be stopped. You can lock him away, put some restraints on him but he he gets out as you know in the beginning of this film he's literally escapes so <laughs> this this could be a, a heavy-handed uh, uh, or uh, this could be kind of injecting a bit as I as I do and my guests do on this show but it's impossible not to see how horror movies in general, are displaying something hidden. But sometimes it's something we know is there, but we don't want to admit it to ourselves. You know, you often have characters in Halloween and horror movies where they know something is wrong, and they'll discuss it with other characters in the movie. Something is wrong here. You know, our friend disappeared. It's strange that there's all these noises and these other things that are happening, but yeah, We'll go into this cabin in the woods, no big deal, no no worries. We're we're, we're good. I digress a bit here, um, but I'll leave you with a couple of thoughts because I'm going to try and keep this episode a bit short, as there's going to be a bonus episode, or I should say, this is the bonus episode tomorrow. After you listen to this, or not tomorrow, if you listen out of order, uh, there'll be another regular scheduled Tuesday episode uh, on Wally with uh, ebony warrior studios so stay tuned for that but i will leave you with this little bit about halloween um it's not the perfect horror movie it may or may not be the best i think it's the best slasher film that and then black christmas are kind of tied in my mind but i think when you watch horror movies you know from the original golden age you know the 1970s and early 80s and then you watch horror movies today. Now, there's gonna be crap and shit from the original Golden Age and sort of the, the rebirth of, of horror films in the last decade. But I think you'll find the themes that are brought forth today in some recent episodes on Candyman and Get Out and um, and others is that there is more there lying under the surface. and rather than in the 1970s and 80s kind of letting it simmer underneath and kind of having to tease it out or you have to think about it. A lot of the films today are bringing those out into the forefront, being specifically of Jordan Peele and his movies. Um, there are other examples as well, but so I would say, check out some of these newer newer horror movies that have been coming out over the past few years. They, they kind of range in type you know, I would suggest Hereditary. Um, I would suggest the new movie X and then the prequel to that movie Pearl. Um, there's a third in that trilogy coming to Two of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. Uh, probably since Get Out and some of those others. So if you're not a big horror fan, I didn't go too deep into the horror, this movie itself. So I would, I would urge you to give some of these movies a chance. There are some that, there's some gruesome, behavior, gruesome acts. But there are a lot of movies now that will make you think. And I think a horror movie that makes you think and entertained and has suspense and has a plot twist. Those are movies worth watching. So with that, I leave you on this bonus episode on Halloween. And uh, I hope you enjoyed. You can check out, podcast on all platforms and uh, have a good one